1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. If you don't have a Bible with you, we have some that we'd like to loan you for the service today. If you didn't bring your Bible, I know the uh, scriptures will be on the screen up there. But there's just something about having a Bible and opening, opening your Bible that is a blessing in it. So if you don't have a Bible and you'd like to use one of ours, raise your hand real high and our ushers will come around and loan you one of ours. We just ask that you leave it on the seat when you leave today so we can use it again next time. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Notice, seeking whom he may devour. I want to talk to you today, titling this message, The Roaring Lion. The Roaring Lion. Now, the Bible didn't say the devil was a, was a roaring lion, said that he, he, he goes about like a roaring lion. Did, did, you, did you get that? Yeah. The devil is not a lion, but he, he makes a lot of noise. And he goes about like a roaring lion. How many of you know Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah? You understand? But the devil goes about like a roaring lion. And he goes about to try to intimidate people. And, 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 and he seeks those. Notice the Bible says he seeks those whom he may devour. He seeks those whom he may devour. So that leads me to believe that there's some people that he can devour and there's some people that he cannot devour. There's some people that he can and there's some people that he cannot. And so today I want to talk about the whom's he can devour and the whom's he cannot devour. Which are you? Are you somebody whom the devil can devour are you somebody who he cannot devour? You need to realize there is a devil out there. And he is our adversary. He is our enemy. And I understand that Jesus defeated the devil. I understand that through his death, burial, and resurrection. We understand that. But you also have to realize that the devil is still out there. And, and, and he's not locked in hell like a lot of people think. He's still out there. The Bible calls him the God of this world system or the prince of the power of the air. He's still out there and he can still devour people. But there's some people he can devour and there's some people that he cannot devour. Now, I want to be one of those that he cannot devour. How about you? And and it's interesting when you look at, at the lion in the jungle, in the jungle, if you just look at the jungle, you know, in Africa or somewhere like that, there are animals that the lion will seek after to devour and there are animals the lion doesn't seek after to devour. For example, I mean, it's true in the natural realm. There's some some animals that that a lion will go after and there's some animals that, that, that the lion won't go after. For example, the wildebeest, the warthog, antelopes, zebras... You see, they're on the lion's menu, and they're fairly easy for the lion to devour. But rhinoceroses, hippos, and elephant and elephants really pose not that much. Uh, 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 you know, they're more of a threat to the lion, so the lion isn't going to go after 
a rhinoceros, a hippo, or an elephant as quickly as a lion would go after the wildebeest, the warthog, or the antelope. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many understand what I'm saying? So if there's a lion out there and it sees a, sees a zebra or it sees a big elephant, which one do you think the lion is going to go after? He's going to go after the zebra, the one that's easier for him to kill. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So there are animals that are easier for the lion to, to get to and kill than others. He's not, he's not going to go after an elephant or a hippo or a rhinoceros as quickly as he might go after an antelope. Because an antelope is easier to, to, to kill than a, than a hippo. I, I remember this funny story that I heard years ago. You've probably already heard it. So if you've already heard it, that's fine. But sometimes I like to tell a story more than once. But I remember, uh, it, it's an old story. So I realize you may have heard it before. But nonetheless, the story about the lion, you know, and he's going through the jungle and he stops uh, and, and, and there's this warthog there and the lion roars and he says to the warthog, who is the king of the beast. And the warthog says, well, you are Mr. Lion. And so the lion goes on and runs across an antelope and the lion roars and says, who is the king of the beast? And the antelope says, you are Mr. Mr. Lion. And the lion goes and finds a zebra and the lion roars and says, who is the king of the beast? And the zebra says, well, you are Mr. Lion. And then the lion goes a little further down the way and finds an elephant and the Lion roars and says to the elephant, who is the king of the beast? And the elephant just trumpets on the trunk, you know, and grabs the lion with the trunk and wraps trunk around the lion and goes whap, 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 and just slings the lion and the lion goes flying across the river into the boom, into the mud bank, you know, head first, boom, just sticking there, just like a diving board, you know, and the lion pulls his head out of the mud and, you know, just you know, bewildered and looks back across the river at the elephant and says, you don't have to get so upset just because you don't know the right answer. <laughs> but you see, the lion could intimidate the, the wildebeest, the warthog, the antelope, the zebra, but the elephant wasn't intimidated. So you see, there, in, the, in the jungle, there's animals that the lion can devour and then there's animals that are more difficult for him to devour and you know as you the same thing's true in the in, in with the with the devil there are christians that are more easy easy to devour than others so i want to be one that's like the elephant how about you hard for the the devil to devour Amen. you know in the jungle the lion talking about the jungle again the lion will seek to devour there's certain there's certain uh kinds of animals like we talked about a wildebeest or a warthog an antelope or a zebra but for example even a zebra can probably run pretty fast an antelope can run pretty fast but what the lion looks for is the young the young the young because you see they're small and they're inexperienced did you hear me and so the lion will go after the young, because they're small, they're inexperienced, and they're much easier to catch and devour. And the same thing is true with the devil and going after people and Christians. You know, think about the young people. Who does the devil, 
you know, as one generation comes and then the next generation comes along and the next generation comes along, who, do, who does it seem like the lion is always, the devil is always going after? He seems to always be going after the young, isn't he? Is that right? He tries to get them on drugs or he tries to get them on, on illicit sex or he tries to get them on this, that and the other. Is that true? He's going after the, the young and chronological age, the, the kids in the 6th, 7th, 8th grade, the teenagers, you see. And not only that, but, you know, when somebody, when a sinner gets saved, the Bible calls them a babe in Christ. Is that right? And so it's true also, you know, somebody could be 40, 50 years old, but then they give their life to Jesus and they get born again, even though they're 40 or 50 years old chronologically, they're still a baby spiritually, you see. And, and I've watched this over the years as a pastor. I've watched and, I, and I've observed that when somebody first gets saved, it seems like the devil works overtime to try to discourage that new Christian, to try to uh, get that new Christian off track, to try to devour that new Christian. Why? Because they're young. They're, they're a babe in Christ. And it's much easier to kill a, a baby and devour a baby than it is somebody that's grown up. Do you get what I'm saying? That's one thing that we as, as, as believers, that's one thing a pastor is supposed to do. And not only a pastor, but, but fellow believers in the congregation that have been serving the Lord a long time, uh, we need to be looking out not only for the young people of our church, but but when people first get saved, we need to be looking out for them as well. Because you see, we need to understand that, that when, when someone is young, whether it's in chronological age or spiritual age, when they're young, that is when the devil is going to have an easier time of destroying them. I know a pastor friend of mine who went to Africa and he said he was out on a safari. And a true story, and he was out on the, the safari, you know. And uh, is driving in the Jeep and all of a sudden they heard this rumbling and they stopped and this big mama elephant came out and stood right there in the, in the, in the, in the, in the road. And he said that, you know, even though the elephant can't speak English, he knew what the elephant was thinking, that, that if you make a move, I'm going to kill you. And then all of a sudden, here comes a bunch of little baby elephants one right after the other. It's so cute, you know. And then once the last little baby went by, the elephant, the big mama elephant looked around and, and blew on the, on her, you know, the trumpet blast, if you will, with, her, with her, her trunk. And then she went right on. And, you know, she was doing that to protect her young. Well, we need to do that, you know, as fellow believers here in a congregation, when we see young people, the children or the teenagers, we need to be watching out for them. You understand that? Because the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And those young people are a lot easier to devour than someone that's older, whether it's in chronological age or spiritual age. Also, the lion in the jungle will not only go after the young, but the, uh, the lion will go after the injured, the injured, the injured. If an animal is injured, uh, very oftentimes they're just a whole lot easier to catch. I remember that same pastor friend of mine said that, that uh, 
when he was out on that safari, he noticed that there was, I think it was a, a, an antelope or something that, that, that here comes the pack, you know, of antelopes. And then, and then uh, there was another one that was a couple of hundred yards behind and it had an injured leg. And the guide told my pastor friend said that antelope probably won't last the night. The lions will get, will get him. Why is that? Because, because he was injured and he couldn't run so fast. See, you have to understand the devil isn't looking for a fair fight. The devil doesn't want a fair fight. Did you hear me? The devil goes after the, you have to understand he's slimy. He goes after the young, the inexperienced, the injured. That's who the devil looks for to try to devour. And, and, and my pastor friend said that the guide had told him that that, that that antelope won't last the night because he's injured. And he's, re, he's a lot easier to catch. And he's at a disadvantage, you see. And also something else that goes right along with it. And did you know there's a, lot of, there's a lot of injured Christians walking around that are easy for the devil to devour? You know one of the things that injures a Christian more probably than anything else is harboring unforgiveness? Did you know when you harbor bitterness and unforgiveness, you're injured spiritually? And you're an easy mark for the devil. Did you know that? Did you know there's a lot of injured Christians that are walking around in the, in the United States today and probably all over the world? You know, when, you're, when you refuse to forgive somebody, you're not hurting them, you're hurting you. When you refuse to forgive, I've learned this over many years of, of, of doing this. When you hold bitterness and unforgiveness against somebody, you know that person that you're holding bitterness and unforgiveness against? I'll tell you this, 99 times out of 100, they don't care. And they're glad that you're miserable. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear me? They want you to be miserable. <laughs> Most of the time. There are exceptions to that. But when you harbor bitterness and unforgiveness, you're just harboring injury. And in that injured state, the devil is going to be, you're going to be an easy mark for the, for the lion, for the devil. Let's go ahead and forgive. What do you say? Amen. Let's go ahead and lay the bitterness aside. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And there's much we could say about that. Here's another type of uh, 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 person that... that, uh, that or in the jungle that the lion will go after, and it goes along with that antelope that couldn't run so fast. In, in, in the fact that he couldn't run so fast, guess what happened? He fell back away from the pack. And loners, loners, when, uh, when an animal falls away from the pack and gets out alone, guess what? They're an easy mark for the lion to come and get. And that's something that, that I've, I've been aware of over the many years is that lions, for example, that's one thing they look for. They look for the animal to get away from the pack and get out there all by themselves. And then that animal is an easy mark for the devil. There's been a time or two where I've gone some places where, you know, like maybe you go down into the city or something, where maybe into the dangerous part of the city. I don't want to be down there alone. 
But if I were down there with four or five big, strong fellas, my buddies, and I had to walk down the street, I wouldn't be intimidated or afraid. But if I had to go down there by myself, see, alone, now I'm going to be an easier mark for the hoodlums. Is that correct? Is that right? And the same thing's true in the jungle. And the same thing is true as we serve God as Christians. Do you know that one of the things that the devil waits for and looks for, perhaps as much as anything else, is for a Christian to stop attending church. Did you hear what I just said? Because when they stop attending church or when they just attend sporadically or just once in a while type stuff, what happens? They have gotten away from the pack, if you will. Do you hear me? They've gotten away from the pack. And when you get away from the body of believers, you're out there alone. And when you're out there alone, you're an easy mark for the devil to come and destroy you. You know there is strength in numbers. Is that right? You remember in the ministry of Jesus, there were times where they wanted to come and kill him, but the Bible says that they left him alone because of all the people. Is that right? And so the devil's the same way. I mean, he's not looking for a fair fight. Did you get that? The devil's not looking for a fair fight. He's looking for a fight that, that, you know, he's looking for the young. He's looking for the injured. He's looking for a loner. He's looking for somebody like that. Something else that, that, uh, that the devil looks for is the Hakuna Matata Christian. Hakuna Matata Christian. How many ever saw the Lion King? Remember that, that, what was it, a warthog and the, the other little animal, they went around and they were singing Hakuna Matata. Remember that? How many remembers that in The Lion King? Remember that? Hakuna Matata. And Well, what does Hakuna Matata mean? Well, it means no worries. And, and, and in one sense, well, that's good. No worries. We shouldn't worry. That's not what that's talking about, though. It's true. We shouldn't worry. But that where they were coming from was no worries. No accountability, not committed. We don't have to get up at a certain time. We can get up whenever we want. We can do whatever we want. You know, we can go to bed whenever we want. We don't have to do our homework. We don't have to account to anybody. We don't have to account to any authority. Just hakuna matata, no worries. Huh? And you know there's a lot of Christians like that. Because I've dealt with them for the last many years. I've dealt with a whole lot of Hakuna Matata Christians over the years. I trust none of you all are that way, but I've had my share of Hakuna Matata. Am I saying that right? Hakuna Matata Christians. Just, just well, we'll go to church if we feel like it. And there's something else going on. Well, we'll just do something else or... Or it's raining today, and or it's the sun shining today, or the wind's blowing. Well, the wind isn't blowing. There's a game on. There's not a game on. Hakuna Matata. I'm telling you what, friends. The devil is looking for the Hakuna Matata Christian, the Christian that's not really committed, the Christian that's not, you know, that you understand. When you have that attitude, you're an easy mark for the devil. So these are some groups that 
the devil can devour, the young, the injured, the loner, the hakuna matata. Let's look at some characteristics of Christians that he cannot devour now. First Peter 5, you're already there, I think. But let's go to verse, uh, you were in verse 8. Let's go to verse 5, because verse 5 is in context with verses, you know, 6, 7, and 8. Remember what verse 8 said, said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Um, Let's go back up to verse 5, and let's read this in the Amplified Version. It'll be on the screen for you. And I just like the way the Amplified brings this out. And let's look at, let's look at some characteristics that we should all have. And if we'll have these, we will be very difficult for the devil to devour us. First Peter 5 verse 5, Amplified Bible. Likewise, you who are younger and of lesser rank, be subject to the elders. Now, that's something you need to underline if you're taking notes. Be subject, or the word is submissive. Be submissive to the elders. Now, that doesn't just mean to somebody that's older than you. Yet, how many of you know we ought to show due respect to the elderly? Is that right? But what this is really talking about is to the ministers and spiritual guides of the church... See, and and then I always say this, anytime I use the word submit, I never ask you to submit to me. I ask you to submit to the word of God that I preach. Did you hear? Is that fair? Is that a fair deal? That's safety. That's very safe. So, So be submissive to the ministers, spiritual guides of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. So submission, you need to be somebody, if you want to be a person that the devil can't devour, you need to be a submitted Christian. You need to be submitted to God, you need to be submitted to his word, you need to be submitted to a local church. And when I say submit, I don't mean that, that, you know, that we're running your life or anything like that. How many of you know I don't meddle in people's lives? You should know that by now. All I ask is that submit to the Bible, Amen? amen? And if I'm teaching the Bible... Is it asking too much for you to submit to that? that? See, that's how you submit to me as I teach the word. And really, you're not submitting to me. You're submitting to what? To the Bible. I don't think anybody had a problem with that. But a submissive attitude about you. That word submit, it means to yield. Be, be willing to, 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 to yield. Don't always be somebody that's bucking the system, you know. You know what I'm saying? And then so submissive, and then the Bible says, clothe, apron yourselves, all of you with what? With what? With humility. So there's a second thing you need to mark or underline or make note of. If you want to be a Christian that the devil is going to have a difficult time devouring, be somebody who's humble. Notice, it says, clothe or apron yourself, all of you, with humility as the garb of a servant so that its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you. That's how much, that's how we should be humble, clothed with it and, and so, feel so strongly about being humble that we won't let anybody take that clothes away from us. Clothed with humility. You, you cannot be stripped, it can't be stripped from you with freedom from pride and arrogance. And that doesn't mean right there just toward the minister. That means toward each other. Do you see that? 
So, so if you want to be a person that the devil cannot devour, be submitted to godly authority. Did you hear me? Be submitted to godly authority and be humble, humble, humble. You know what that word humble actually means? It, it, among other things, it means to be teachable and trainable. Teachable and trainable. Did you know once you get an attitude that you know that you know it all and you've got it all figured out that God can't use you anymore? Did you hear me? And when you get that attitude of I, I've got it all figured out, I know so much, you know, when you get there, let me tell you what, you have set yourself up for the devil to be able to come in and devour you. Did you hear me? For God sets himself against or God resists the who? Who? The proud. See, the opposite of humility is pride. And when you get into pride, actually, when you get into pride, you've got a bigger problem than the devil. You've got God setting himself against you. Do you hear what I just said? When you get into pride, you've got a whole lot bigger problem than the devil. You've got God setting himself against you and you don't want that. Notice for God sets himself against, resists the proud, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, the boastful. And he opposes, frustrates and defeats them. But notice what God gives, gives to the humble. He gives what to the humble? He gives grace, favor, blessing, to the humble. And then verse 6 says, humble yourselves. Demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation. See, the Bible says in another scripture that we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. You know, we ought to have good self-esteem. Is that right? We ought to think, you know, we ought to think about us what God thinks about us. Amen? But we just shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Did you get what I just said? See, you shouldn't go around thinking you're a dirty old dog. No, you're not a dirty old dog. You're somebody in Christ. Amen? Amen. But I've seen people get in the ditch. You know there's a ditch. Isn't there a ditch on either side of the road? And I've watched Christians get in this. You know, they know who they are in Christ to the point that they get so bold that they're, they're, they're arrogant. Did you hear what I just said? And that's not good. But you can get in the ditch on the other side and there is a false humility where you can think you're just so no good and, and, and to the point where... That's not good either. How many of you know that we ought to think of ourselves what God thinks of us? Amen? But just don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. The Bible says here again in verse 6, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you. So what are the two main things we get here? Be a person that's submitted to godly authority. And humble yourselves. And if you'll do those two things, the devil won't be able to come in and devour you. Also, verse 7 says something that we need to note. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, on God. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. So the third thing, if you want to be a person that the devil can't devour, is you need to be a person that does not carry care. That does not carry anxiety, that does not worry. Because listen to me, when you're carrying that care, when you're carrying that anxiety, when you're carrying that worry, what did we say a while ago? You're injured, aren't you? 
and you're in a weakened state, aren't you? And when you're in that weakened state, that's when the devil will come in. Because when you're in that weakened state, it's not going to be a fair fight, is it? And he's going to be able to come in and more easily devour you. So you see, if you're carrying anxiety, if you're carrying worry, if you're carrying concern, if you're carrying care, then you're injured. And the devil will be able to come in and devour you. So what do you do with all that worry and anxiety and all that care? What do you do? The Bible says, cast it over on the Lord. Amen? And then verse 8, here's something else we need to do if we want to be a person that the devil can't devour is, I like the way uh, the Amplified says it here, well balanced. Real loud with everything in you, say well balanced. -balanced. Say it one more time. Well balanced. Now I tell you what, I, I could spend hours on this because I've watched this hundreds of times over the years. You know, it's just so easy to get out of balance, isn't it? It's just so easy to get out of balance. I like, I don't know, you know, what did I say a moment ago? There's a ditch on either side of the road, is that right? And, And we need to stay well balanced. We need to stay in the middle of the road. And it's just so easy. If you're not, if you're not being watchful, it's just so easy to get out of balance and to get in one ditch or the other. It's like with, with prosperity, for example. You know, you gotta stay balanced on it because if you don't stay balanced, you get, you can get in one ditch where, you know, if you're not a bazillion, gazillion, trazillionaire, you think you're not in the will of God. And if you're not watchful, you can get over here in this ditch where that unless you're totally broke and, 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 you know, you just broke, we're broke for God. We're just broke for God. You know what I'm talking about? See, I don't want to be in the ditch on either side. Do you? I want to stay right in the middle of the road. I believe if we serve God, he'll bless us, but we don't emphasize the blessing. Amen. That's secondary. We hardly ever even talk about that. Amen. Did you hear me? In, 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 in any Bible subject, if you're not watchful, you can get out of balance just like that. And you get out of balance, see the devil is looking for somebody who's out of balance. How many of you know if you go into a fight, you want to be sure like a boxer? How many of you have ever, ever watched a boxing match? I mean, that boxer, he's pretty well balanced, isn't he? And if he gets off balance a little bit, then he's going to be easy, he'll be an easy mark for his opponent to hit him with a right, right hook. Is that right? Is, is that correct? So we need to stay well balanced. We need to stay well balanced on every Bible subject. Amen. Well balanced. And then, temperate, sober of mind. Real loud say sober of mind. mind. Say it one more time. Sober Sober of mind. We need to be sober Christians. Sober of mind. Did you know that the Bible condemns drunkenness? How many of you know it does? And the Bible says that we're supposed to be sober of mind. And let's just finish the verse and then I want to come back and talk about sober. Be vigilant and cautious at all times for that enemy of yours. The devil roams around like a roaring lion in fierce hunger seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Amen. See, he's seeking someone to seize upon and devour. 
And we're giving you some things that we need to be in order for him to not be able to devour us. Well-balanced, sober, vigilant, cautious, sober, sober-minded, sober-minded. Did you? Sober means not drunk. I said sober means not drunk. Doesn't the Bible condemn drunkenness? It condemns drunkenness. And, you know, I've noticed this. Do you know when people get drunk, they act a lot of different ways, don't they? I got to thinking about this. There's five kinds of drunks that I can think of when people get drunk, how they act. First of all, there's silly drunks. Now, why am I sharing this? Because if you act any one of these ways, you're going to be an easy mark for the devil to devour. A silly drunk. Have you ever seen somebody get drunk and they act silly? We're not supposed to be acting silly. Now, I'm not talking about having fun and, you know what I mean, you know what, you know what I, what, you know, sometimes, how many of you sometimes, you know, once in a while I'll be with my wife and I'll go, something like that. There's nothing wrong with that. Say amen. amen. I'm talking about acting. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, let me put it this way. See, when we act silly, when we act like drunk people, have you ever seen drunks come in and, you know, they got to, somebody's got to hold them up? How many's ever seen that besides me? Huh? You know, they're stumbling over things or they need somebody to hold them up. How many's ever seen that besides me? God condemns that. Took some years for him to get through to me that we, we, we shouldn't be work, acting like that in church. Say amen. amen. Did you know why, did you know, some of you may not be aware of this, but in certain circles years ago, when churches would get together, they would have get drunk on the spirit meetings. How many of you remember anything like that? Well, if you weren't in on that, you're better off. Be glad you missed all that. <laughs> but they'd get together. Church, I'm talking about big churches and small ones alike, medium sized. They get together, have drunk services, and uh, and and it just things just would get out of out of hand and out of control, and and unbelievable stuff that went on. But you know what do we say that if you if we're not sober of mind, silly any drunkenness opposite of sober is drunkenness. I watched over the many years, and I've watched a lot of those churches that had those drunk services. You know, while the Christians were stumbling around acting like a bunch of fools, guess what happened? The devil snuck in and devoured. And you look back at the ones I know anything about; they're just a shell today of what they once were. I said they're just a shell today of what they once were. See, when we're not sober of mind, then we get distracted and the devil's able to come in and devour. And you go back and you look at it. I'm talking about some big major ministries that are just a fraction today of what they once were because while they were quote-unquote drunk, supposedly on the spirit, the devil was devouring. See, when we're not sober of mind, then the devil's able to come in and devour. There's a silly drunk. Do you know there's a mean drunk? Have you ever seen an angry and a mean drunk? How many of you know there's a lot of Christians in the land that they, they, they might not ever come into a church and stumble around like that, but I tell you what, they're angry this morning. They're, they're angry this morning. How many of you know there's some angry Christians this morning? And if you're angry... Angry. The Bible says you're not sober-minded. 
And you're going to be an easy mark for the devil to take out. When you're mean and you're angry, you're not sober-minded. When you act unbecomingly to somebody, when you act unbecomingly to a fellow believer, when you're rude to somebody, the Bible likens you unto a mean drunk. Then I've found this kind of a drunk, a critical drunk. Have you ever seen somebody get drunk and they're critical? They're complaining all the time? How many has ever seen that beside me? They're complaining all the time. Complaining, this ain't right, that ain't right, this ain't right, that ain't right, this ain't right, that ain't right. I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like the other. Huh? Complaining, complaining. The Bible likens them unto a drunk person. And I tell you what, while they're, while they're complaining and critical or angry or acting silly, how, whatever, whatever the case may be, you see they're totally distracted. And while that's going on, they're an easy mark for the devil to come in. And then there's the crying, whining drunk. Have you ever seen one of those? The crying, whining drunk. Always, always feeling sorry for themselves. Woe is me. Nothing ever is going right for me. I don't have any friends. I, I, I don't have any friends. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't have any friends. It's just nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. I just can't find friends. You don't find friends. You go make friends. The Bible says to him that shows himself friendly, he'll find friends and have friends. I've, I've already seen people, they get off and, uh, you know, I'm talking church people over there. They just don't know anybody at that church. Well, ding dong. Go, go make some friends, amen? Well, just nobody ever comes over and talks to me. Well, ding dong. You got two legs, don't you? Go over and shake somebody's hand, is that right? Now, I'm not saying that we as a church, when new people come in, we ought to greet them and all of that. We should do that. But I've already seen people that have attended a church for, for a long time. I just, don't, I just don't have any friends. I just don't have any. Well, you know, one reason you might not have any friends is because whenever somebody comes around you, guess, guess what they get to see? Huh? Would you want to be my friend if every time we went to do something, nobody likes me, nobody, huh? Always down in the mouth. You wouldn't want to go out and do anything with me. Is that right? But when you're in that state, you have to realize you're not being sober of mind and you've set yourself up for the devil to devour you. See, I can see in this one right here, when you're acting that way, nobody's going to want to be around you. And next thing you know, you're going to be off by yourself and you're going to be alone. And when you're alone, you're an easy mark for the devil. See how that fit, fit together real good right there. Now, is anybody angry because I called him a ding-dong? <laughs> Duck behind a pulpit so you don't throw something at me? And then how many has ever seen a sleeping drunk? Somebody gets drunk and oh, they just want to go to sleep. Huh? Has anybody ever seen these things? Or do you know what I'm talking about? Or the sleeping drunks? And then what did the Bible say in verse 8? Be vigilant. That means be alert. And how many of you know that, that a sleeping drunk, when they're, when, they're, when they're asleep, somebody could go in there and steal everything from them. Is that right? Just clean, it, clean them out. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and you see, I believe that when we're not being vigilant, when we're not being alert, the Bible likes, likens us to a, a sleeping drunk, so to speak. And when we're in that state, the devil can come in and just steal us blind, just rob from us and, and devour us. So you see, say it again, say, I must be... Sober of mind. 
And then look at verse 9. It says, withstand him. That's talking about the roaring lion, the devil. Withstand him. The one who goes about as a roaring lion. Withstand him. Be firm in faith. We need to resist the devil. You know, I've watched a a lot of times over the years where the devil comes in and he'll roar, roar. And you know what Christians will do? They'll be like the antelope or the zebra or the wildebeest we talked about a while ago. And the lion will come in and roar. And they'll say, you're the king of the beast, Mr. Devil. You're the king of the beast. Did you know if you start acting like that, maybe you ignore the devil. Maybe he'll go away. He won't go away. How many of you know he won't go away? He'll just continue to intimidate you and intimidate you until, until finally he'll just come in and devour you. Know what? The first sign of the devil, notice right here, the Bible says, withstand him, be firm in faith against his onset. The first, the, when I mean when the devil shows up before, when he comes to, look up here now, when he comes to knock at your door, before he ever makes the, before he ever makes contact with your door, you need to be alert. You need to be vigilant. You should ne- I tell you what, I'm convinced of this. If you walk with the Lord, you can get yourself to a place. And I, I, there's been times in my life where I've been at this place. I'm not always at this place because it takes a lot of time with the Lord. But you can get to yourself to a place that you can, you can, you can anticipate the devil's attack. The Lord will show you things to come and you can be vigilant. You can be ready for him before he even gets up. When he first starts walking up to your door, you can be aware that he's coming. Can you say amen? And at the first onset of him, right then is when you start to resist him in the name of Jesus. Did you hear me? Like when he went up to the elephant, remember? And he said to the elephant, who's the king of the beast? And the elephant, what did the elephant do? Just wrap the trunk around him and just whap, whap, whap and threw him into the bank. Is that right? Well, that's what we need to do. In Christ, is that correct? Because of who we are in Christ, when we see the devil coming up the walk, before he even gets to the door to knock on the door, I resist you, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? Withstand him. And did it say be weak in faith or be firm in faith? See, what I was doing there was being firm in faith. And then, see, you're going to have to be a person of faith. You're going to be, have to be a person that has a working knowledge of the Word of God. You're going to have to be a person that believes the Word of God and lives by the Word of God and walks in the Word of God. Can you say amen? amen. So what have we learned here? Just as I begin to close this, what have we learned? We need to be submissive. We need to be humble. We need to cast our care upon the Lord. We need to be well-balanced, sober-minded, vigilant. And then we need to be a person of faith. Some, what does that mean? Somebody that believes God, takes God at his word, and somebody that will withstand the devil. Amen. Look at James 4 and 7. Look at this real quickly. James 4 and 7. I trust this is blessing you today. This will be the last one we turn to. Look at James 4 and 7. James 4, 7, gonna, gonna, the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. So we just read, you know, from 1 Peter. Let's see what James, the Holy Ghost through James has to say here. James 4, 7, therefore, what's that next? This is in New King James Version. Therefore, oh, there's that word, submit to God. There it is. Then it says, what are we supposed to do? Re resist the devil, withstand him, you know, in faith. We just read that. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee Flee from you. That's a good deal, isn't it? That's better than us fleeing from him. 
And then we get some more things that will help us to be uh, undevourable. I want to be undevourable. How about you? Draw near to God. Stay close to Him. Stay close to God. He'll draw near to you. And then here's something else we're going to have to do. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We're going to have to live right before God. You know, James was written to the church. He's talking to Christians here. Cleanse your hands. You si- Did you know that it's still possible for a Christian to, uh, to, to miss it? Is that right? We shouldn't miss it, should we? And when we miss it, we need to repent and, walk and get back close to God. Is that right? What happens when we sin? We don't lose our salvation, but we, re-lose, we lose that closeness with God that he wants us to have. So if we've missed it, repent and draw back near to God. When you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you and cleanse your hand. Walk, walk pure before the Lord and you can't be double-minded. Say, I can't be, be. double-minded. double-minded. You can't, if you're double-minded, the devil's going to devour you. The devil devours double-minded Christians. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to make your mind up that you're going to serve God. You're going to walk with God no matter what. And then you'll be undevourable. Draw near to God. Cleanse your hands. Walk right. Walk right before Him. Don't be double-minded. And then verse 9. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to, to gloom. What does this say? I'll put this in my own words. Verse 9 is telling us to be people of prayer. If you want to be undevourable, you're going to have to be a person of prayer. I like to say it this way. Listen to this. Pray or be prey. Well, that fits in right here. P-R-A-Y or you're going to be P-R-E-Y. You know what P-R-E-Y is? That's, that's like the zebra when the devil's coming after the zebra. The zebra is the devil's prey. Is that right? I don't want to be the devil's prey. So we're either going to have to Pray, be people of pray or be pray. That'd be a good title, subtitle for this message. Pray or be pray. And then what's verse 10 say again? Humble yourselves in the sight of God. He'll lift you up. Well, praise God. I trust this blessed you today. Stand with me if you would. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never 